Welcome to the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. This is the place where you'll learn cutting-edge personal brand strategies from today's most recognizable influencers. We're going to teach you how to build a rock-solid reputation and then how to turn that reputation into revenue. I'm your lead host, Rory Vaden, co-founder of Brand Builders Group, Hall of Fame speaker, and New York Times bestselling author of Take the Stairs. Hi, it's AJ Vaden, and thanks for listening to the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. Did you know that the ideas we share on the show are things we actually specialize in helping you implement? If you want to raise your public profile and turn your reputation into revenue, please visit freecall.brandbuildersgroup.com to sign up for a free brand strategy call with one of our personal brand strategists. Again, that's freecall.brandbuildersgroup.com to sign up for your free call. Talk to you soon. Oh my gosh, you are so lucky to be listening to this podcast today. Let me tell you why. You're about to meet one of the coolest couples ever, Cezanne and Stevie Hendricks. These guys have become friends of ours. They're clients of Brand Builders Group. I consider them mentors. Like I'm learning so much from watching what they do. They have built a following of millions and millions of people on social media. Their podcast has over 9 million downloads. They get 15 million monthly impressions. They have hundreds of thousands of YouTube subscribers. Cezanne has over a million Instagram followers. Stevie's got hundreds of thousands of followers. They're the coolest people ever. Cezanne is just fashionable and Stevie is so funny. And I'm a little bit jealous of how young they are. And you're like the cool kids that I always wanted to be friends with that I wasn't cool enough to be friends with. And anyways, thanks for being here, guys. That's like the best intro I think we've ever received. Thank <laughs> you, Rory. Can we take that soundbite from this show and just put it on our website? We're going to transcribe that on our on book, our bio. you know, the content diamond there. Yes, <laughs> we need a content diamond, your words. <laughs> oh, yes, man, that was, that was amazing. We are so stoked to be here. Obviously, Rory, we had you on our show as well. And I mean, those two shows were packed full of great information. So we're happy to be here. We consider you a friend and a mentor and a leader for us and an answered prayer. So yeah, thanks for having us. We're ready to party. <laughs> so and I mean this seriously, like I am one of those people that I like, I feel like I don't really get social media still. Like obviously we use it for businesses stuff, but like I've just not been naturally good at it and I'm not super like social anyways. And you guys have built this monster following how did that happen? Like, how did it start? Which platform? How did it grow? How long did it take? Right? Like some people right now are just starting out and they're going like, okay, like millions of people seems like so far away. You know, just kind of give us a little bit of the journey piece. Yeah. You know, this journey started for me back in 2010, 2011, when I was in college. And at the time, Instagram had been around. And what's really interesting about Instagram was that, you know, we were studying radio, television, film. And I remember in our 
news department, one of the producer girls there, her sister or her cousin was dating at that time, the co-founder of Instagram. His name was Mike Krieger. And I remember because we were doing, we had a little commercial talk show that we did that she produced. She was like, I'm going to get him on as a guest. And I hosted this show. And I just, at the time, probably had a thousand followers on Instagram. At that time, I mean, that was kind of like, I was like, okay, great. But he came onto our show at that time. And I'm just in college. And I got to interview him about this platform that really hadn't taken off. This is when those filters, all you had that was really available to you were like the Kelvin filter and all of those little filters. And that was it with the borders. And people were just sharing pictures of their dog, their food. It wasn't really seen as a space where brands were tapping into, marketing agencies were looking at. And I just got to ask him some questions. And I think from that interview, there was something in me that was really intrigued by social media. And I decided to just kind of keep it on with like Instagram. I didn't know exactly what my brand was per se, but I was just so fascinated by this new way of connecting with people through social media. And I just saw a little bit of that. And so I had a blog at the time. It was a very small blog, but it was my website. And I started just practicing some of my copy on there, talking about the trends and and beauty and the things that I was passionate about. And then when you fast forward to, you know, after I graduated college and you too, Stevie, we decided to move to LA. And that's where I really realized the potential and the power of social media, because I met a lot of local bloggers in LA, which I did not really have that in Dallas. And in LA, man, I realized these girls are actually making these little side jobs and and hustle. Mm -hmm. And it was like a side hustle business. And then I got really fascinated by it all and thought, if I can start figuring out ways to monetize my blog, this really could become my own virtual business. I just didn't know the model. I didn't know how to do it, but I just saw the resources in front of me, which were social media. I did have an Instagram page that was growing pretty quickly at that time because there wasn't the algorithm and all of that you see today on Instagram. And so I think a lot of it was the timing, you know, being on that platform at the right time, having my blog to actually push some credibility out to like check out my trends, things like that. People started latching on to it. And the rest is history. We started our YouTube channel shortly after that. And YouTube was really great because oh, I so YouTube started content. after Instagram. Yeah, it started after my blog and after Instagram. And so I just fell in love with YouTube because we both knew how to edit video. We both knew how to shoot video and the framing. I mean, we learned that in college. That's what we were studying. So I thought, let me take a lot of that knowledge and put it into what I'm trying to create online instead of waiting around for like the NBC to come and hire me to work for them right. and their company and their platform. And so I just saw that there was this potential, but I just knew I couldn't do it alone. So Stevie is where, you know, that was kind of the turning point was when like Stevie came on board and we both realized, <laughs> hey, if we take this seriously, this could really be our full-time well, job. I have to give you the credit because I, I didn't take it seriously at first. I remember I was working, I was doing a marketing job where I was kind of traveling in the West part of the United States and I was trying to do the acting thing in Los Angeles. And I remember she called me one day and this was in 2014 and she said, Hey, you know, at this point, I think you had maybe 150, maybe 200,000 followers on Instagram. And you said, Hey, some of the girls that, you know, I've met in the blogging space, she said, you know, they're starting to make real money. 
And I was like, what are you talking about? She's like, they are making money, you know, from linking outfits, from posting Mm. brands, X, Y, Z. She said, and they're making a lot of money. I said, how much? Yeah, remember that? (laughs) She said, some girls are making tens of thousands a month. I said, no, they're not. She said, yeah, they are. (laughs) (laughs) I even told him, I said, there's one girl making $50,000 a month off of her at the time, it was like, whoa. I mean, that's a well, lot of money. there was a very small pool of bloggers who were linking and linking a ton, right? So if you think about how many girls were just going clicking on their links, it makes a lot of sense. But, you know, she convinced me basically, you should come back, help me run this social media business full time, and let's see what we can do <laughs> with this thing. And I have to give her credit because of her foresight because now the landscape has changed. I mean, TikTok is here and people are ready. They are. Mm. They have been waiting for that new platform to arise before the algorithm gets super complex and it's hard to get your face out in front of millions of people. You know, Instagram was a place where people didn't expect it to have that much power. I think there were a, a select few and they've capitalized early. But even for Cezanne, you know, she had the foresight to realize she needed to continue building her brand and growing these numbers, even when we didn't see any monetary value in it yet. And you know, when I came on and started managing her and, and helping her with her social media, you know, little jobs began to trickle in, you know, like $300 from Target, $500 from so-and-so, mm. you know, and, and then it started to grow from there. And that's how it all started. And then we obviously started YouTube And then well. I'll never forget, Rory, when Stevie and I, we created our own little tiered package that we would go and target little mom and pop shops on Etsy because at the time these small brands wanted social media exposure and a lot of the times just some high res images of their products. And so we created this little business model, you know, where it was like, Hey, we can offer you the platinum package, the silver package, the gold package, which you're going to get all of these assets if you do that. And I remember the most expensive one, we were charging like $500 and we thought, Oh my God, no one's going to like buy that. And we were thinking, Oh my God, that is so expensive. Like, uh, let's just hope and pray. And all these brands just kept coming back. We'll do the $500. We'll do the $500. So we were constantly readjusting our rates and learning as we grew and as we kind of sharpened up our skills. So that's where it all started. Yeah. And it's just evolved and changed so much. So right there, and I love that. You know, that's so similar. Like people ask me about my speaking fee these days, right? And like, you know, it's tens of thousands of dollars. It's it's up there. But like my first gig was 50 bucks. My second was 500. And it was like, you just get so good at what you're doing and it starts small. And what I love is, you know, like people always talk about charge what you're worth. And I always tell them, don't charge what you're worth, charge what you can get. And like charge something that's such a no brainer for people to buy from you. And then as the demand increases, then you can raise, just like let the price raise itself. And I didn't realize that part of y'all's story. That is so, so cool. We had people literally that would, you know, email us because when I came on board, you know, it was like Saz had four hands basically and another, another mind on her working on her business. So you know, I was now the gateway between her and the brands. I was emailing the brands back. I had no idea what I was doing, but I was like, I'm going to manage her. And I said, how much should I charge? You know, and literally I had to figure this thing out from scratch. You know, I started emailing brands back. And like you said, trying not to be greedy or pushy and you know what I mean, but also standing firm in what we felt like our value was based off of the demand. Right. So it's like so-and-so gave us a thousand dollars to do the same thing, you know, and you're asking for just as much or more. So 
you know, that's fair. And, and I would have brands that would email me six months later and be like, we want to work with Saz again at the same rate. And I go, she has 150,000 more followers now than she did mm. then. And it's different because, you know, I remember talking to a friend who was a mentor at the time and has a really great mind for business and, and managing clients. And he said, you're not charging for your time. You're charging for your audience. He said, and so it doesn't matter how much time it takes you. He said, how many more followers do you have now? And you need to make mm-hmm. that information, that. Mm-hmm. the engagement, et cetera. Yeah. So I love that. I mean, that's like the Super Bowl commercial, right? It's 30 seconds, but you paid 5 million bucks because you're in front of such a huge number. I, I love that. So how do you get a lot of followers, right? Like, I know that's a, just such an obscure question, but like you guys have done it consistently. You got 9 million podcast downloads, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, now TikTok, which I want to talk about here in a little bit, but like you're doing it so consistently across all these platforms. Why do you think that is like they, there's millions of people they could be following. Why are they following you? I'm, no I offense. Think we both have answers. <laughs> no, that's a great no, question. I mean, no yeah, offense. it's true though. No, no, no. It's I, true. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think we both have our own angle to answer that question. And I actually want to talk about this earlier. So I'm glad you brought it up. So right now, and I, I know we want to talk about TikTok. I'm just going to bring TikTok is here, right? TikTok is happening right now. And it has been happening for a while now. I remember somebody told me about it a year and a half ago on a trip in Europe we were at. She was like, you know, she's a foreign girl. She's like, you should try the TikTok. It's very good. Not a lot of Americans doing it, but they're paying <laughs> lots of people on the platform. You need to try. And I was like, thank you. What's your accent? I can't remember where it was from. But anyways, I remember at the time thinking, what is this TikTok gibberish she's talking about? I wish I had listened. And you who are listening now, listen Mm. to this, like jump on this platform now. And I want to say that because to gain followers, and I told this, this is on the TikTok platform is very young. There's a lot of 18 year olds on there who are, you know, even from our age being just 30, they think so differently than we do. Her little brother's 19. They just think they react differently to humor and things like that. But I said to Saz, I said, we need to get on this platform And I said, and we need to follow the trends. And we didn't really do this on Instagram. I think Instagram was a lot of vulnerability, blood, sweat, and tears, effort, effort, effort. I said with TikTok, I said, this platform is so young. It's so fun. It's so trendy. And so it kind of goes against the idea of like staying true 100% to your brand and I told Saz, I said, I said, I think what we need to do is both. I said, we need to follow the trends, but we also need to present like our brand and our mission statement to people, right? So it's like, we'll have a video where people would do a ton of dances on TikTok. We'll do dances or we'll do, you know, men versus women, you know, common things that one person is going to see and be like, I relate with that. 10 people are going to see and be like, I relate with that. 100 people, everyone relates with that. So do common things, I would say, if you want to start growing things that people can commonly relate to. Don't be a hipster. Don't be somebody who's like, I have my own way of thinking because people need to hear common languages, common themes, you know what I mean? Things they can understand. Because if you are too, too niche or or the way in which you present things is too outside the box and not easy to digest, I don't think you're going to gain a lot of followers. You might gain a, hmm. a niche of strong followers, but in some ways you have to water down, right? Like even if it's comedy is your thing, make your comedy digestible for everyone in middle America, because then you will start to gain followers. But like you say, Rory, you know, the she hands wall, it's like, 
you're going to gain, gain, gain followers. Once you get them to love you in a sense on social media, then you present your mission, what you're really about. Right. And I think you do it along the way. I think people will pick up, Hey, he's a pretty nice person. Like he's talked about this or that, or I know they do a lot of humor, but there's something sweet and down to earth about them. Right. Once you get them to love you, you gain a bunch of followers. You present them like, and this Later is the, yeah, you're like, this is what you need now. Like, right. I'm going to deliver you something that you need that you didn't realize that you needed, you know? And that's where social media can be a really powerful tool. I'm just going to, yeah, piggyback off of everything you're saying because I completely agree. I think part of it is timing. But the other part of consistently growing with your audience is the consistency of what you're putting out there. And a lot of people have that instant rise, right, with social media and Instagram. And we see them grow really fast at the beginning. And then it goes down like this because they're not able to keep their audience. And that's what's tough, too, is sometimes when you grow so quickly, you will reach a point where you're just like, okay, I'm plateauing. It's like I need to keep this audience. And that's really when it becomes a priority to center everything that you do really around what your audience does need and catering to their needs. Because for us, we say that everything that we do, we do it because we love connecting with people and that all the things that we put out, we try to put it out with purpose. Even a silly video that we do, we put it out in hopes that, yeah, we hope that it brightened up your day a little more. We hope that it made you laugh. We hope that this video was a sweet escape from maybe your harsh reality you're in. And all of that to say, we constantly think about something we learned in college, which is the idea of like what's in it for them. Everything we put out, we have to think about that. It's not about us, even though we're on the social media stage. You, if you can always point back to your audience and make them feel a part of the community, you're going to continue to grow. And it may not be as fast once you reach a really you know, increased pace, but then it's about keeping that audience that you have built. And I think that's the age that we're living in right now in social media. It's not about how quickly can I hit a million followers? It's about how can I engage the community that I already have and keep that community? And then over time, you will see growth. And I just want to add one final point, like to that connectivity that you talked about, you know, really connecting with your audience, you know, it, it's so important, but also Oh, gosh. Daddy I just brain. lost it. Daddy wow. brain. I just lost it. I had a really good point. It's all right. It'll come back. <laughs> it'll come, it'll come I, back to me. <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting concept there about like, you know, get the followers first, you know, kind of have a broader net to get them far and then, you know, kind of work into right. telling them more about what you do. That's just a really high level strategy is, is super interesting. So I want to talk about video for a second specifically because... I mean, at this point, hopefully everybody knows like video is pretty much the thing that matters. It's like where the whole Internet is going. Everything is video, 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 video. And we did an interview with Michael Stelsner, the founder of Social Media Examiner, and he just totally hammered on all the data and trends pointing so aggressively and heavily towards video. And y'all edit your own videos still, right? Yeah. Yes, about 95%. Okay, that actually kind of goes back. That reminds me what I was going to say is that okay. connectivity is so important, connecting with people. But I think also people really recognize service. Like when you're doing a service or when you are serving or when you're putting effort in. So one part of that is connecting. It's the effort that you put in to connect with people, right? But a lot of the times, like you'll see people that bust through because they just put the effort and the work into putting up their videos. 
there's guys who have millions of followers on Instagram and TikTok who are not funny at all. They're not funny <laughs> at all. But guess what? They edit three videos a day and they make it very simple and very common and they're getting comments and they're getting shared and they are pumping out content and they are serving and people see their effort. And like I said, it's digestible. It's simple. It's it relates to the every person, mm -hmm. every man, every woman. And they're getting tons of followers. Whereas the person who's putting in mediocre effort, mediocre service, and a little bit of connectivity, they're not going as far. And so you really, I think when it comes to editing your videos, the reason that we still edit our own videos is because there's an understanding that we have of our content that no one else can quite get except for us. And we can train somebody to get it close, but there is something when you edit your own video, the timing, the understanding of the content and how it should splice together, that is so important. It's almost like a, a comedic actor. You can have a great, if you've ever been on set or if you've ever been you know, in the movie business, you can do a really funny scene, but the editor is the one who decides which cut he's going to take and how he's going to cut it and the timing of that. And that has sure. so much to do with how funny that scene is. Right. And so that's why we edit our own videos because we know like we're going to maximize our connectivity by editing our own videos. Yeah. So, and, and so I want to hear about that. Like, what is the video editing process? Like, what do you think is the key to a good video? You know, like, what are just some of the more fundamental things, I guess, that people need to know? Like, you know, when you're putting together your plan, you need to make sure these five things are in place. Yeah, I think the first thing we can do this together. I think the first thing is know the platform that you're posting it on. You know, this is similar to even your content diamond. You know that a YouTube video is going to be different than a quick one minute video you're creating for the Instagram audience, which attention spans even shorter than the YouTube audience. We already know that the internet in general is going to be a very distracted community because even on YouTube, that person watching you, they may have five tabs open already on their computer. So you have to even think about how am I going to grasp their attention on this platform and then on the other platforms, you have to run that same question through your mind. TikTok is even quicker than Instagram for that generation who just grasps that information super quickly and they want it spliced and diced a certain way. But you can take one video and you can do all of those different effects, but for catered for that specific platform. Yeah. No, I, I agree 100%. I think it totally depends because, you know, obviously you have one minute videos on Instagram and TikTok, and then you have IGTV. And then you also have, you know, YouTube, which can go as long as you want it to go. But even on YouTube, I mean, specifically, YouTube is a platform that I really feel like is for somebody who is, they feel a little bit old for social media, maybe, but they still want to tap into it. YouTube, I feel like is still a great place to tap into the social media market and a place I think you still can grow. Like I said, TikTok as well, obviously, it's a very young platform. But YouTube, I think, because it's the number two search engine behind Google. So when people are searching for things, they're searching for expertise, how-tos, YouTube is so popular. And also, too, YouTube still rewards people who post consistently. So if you are posting consistently, mm. you know, two videos a week is kind of the recommended. If you want to grow, you need to be posting two videos a week. You can still grow on YouTube. So... I think, you know, when you're editing for YouTube, what I would recommend is three to eight minutes, maybe 10 at the max. There's a creator named David Dobrik, and he does a ton of videos, blogs, and he is huge, but his videos are all very, very short. 
And I think what he's done is just hack the algorithm as far as I'm going to put up videos that are short. People are going to watch the full thing. I'm going to be rewarded on YouTube behind the scenes because it's going to show that my watch time is 100%, right? And then they're just going to roll on to my next video. So you could be creating a three-part video, you know, where it's two minute, two minute, two minute. And they're just rolling from one video to the next. And YouTube is seeing, oh my gosh, they put up three videos and they have 100% watch time on all of them. Yeah, we just actually went on, we went on my YouTube analytics, which that wasn't around like, you know, several years ago when I started, but YouTube has built this back end page for creators to really see how their videos are performing on various mm-hmm. levels from at what point do people click out of your video, a specific video they left at this marker. And I look at that and I'm like, yeah, I started get going off on a tangent there. I mean, they really do help you refine and kind of figure out what that perfect video is for your audience on the platform. But something that I saw recently was the people that are coming to my YouTube channel, the number one place that they're coming from is Google. They are actually finding my content Mm. and discovering me from Google. Now, Instagram and miscellaneous is what they call it, which is usually social media. That was like number six or seven. And I push a lot of my content on Instagram and drive it to YouTube a lot, thinking that that's where I'm getting a lot of that attraction. But the truth is, is when you upload a video on YouTube from your title to the description, you treat that as if it's a blog post because those keywords are going to be transferred and related onto the Google platform for SEO. And so when you create a content, a video, like for me, how to do makeup for beginners, There's actually a site that I use. I go on trends.google.com. I can specifically search what people are looking for on YouTube. I type in the keyword makeup and I can now see across the world, people are Googling makeup for beginners. So all of a sudden I just got a really great video idea. I've been doing this for the past year, working closely with the trends as well as the content I want to create, but I package it in a very SEO friendly way. And I have seen incredible results and it's no wonder why number one is coming from this outside world. And they're now discovering who Cezanne is. And now they're following my Instagram and they're following our podcast, but they came from Google, which is an unknown platform for us that we don't always tap into, but this new audience is now coming from YouTube. So YouTube, like Stevie said, is definitely powerful. Well, also too, don't be afraid. And this is a big thing that we're still trying to learn how to get over. Don't be afraid to repackage content because just like she said, beginner makeup on YouTube has been at the top of the trend search. It just sits there. It stays there, but it stays there. All of your videos have performed super well and you're like, should I do another beginner's makeup? And the answer is yes. Because guess what? You're getting a ton of views on those. People want to learn on YouTube. They want how-tos. Yes. Easy makeup, beginner's makeup, simple glam. Like just continue to do some of that content that does super well, that evergreen stuff, and just repackage it, retool it a little bit and represent it in a different way. And don't be scared to do that and be thinking, I have to come up with something super unique every time when if it's working for you and the algorithm is rewarding you for it, I would say keep going with it. Yeah, and I think that's an interesting thing about Google and search engine optimization in general is it's like what usually performs well is the really simple concept, the really simple question. The It's like yeah. what you were saying earlier, Stevie, about 
it's the thing that everybody is searching for and it's like it's not rocket science stuff it's like the common everyday person so i want to talk about hashtags for a second because i never have really understood hashtags and then i accidentally said this to somebody a couple of days ago and i was like actually i think maybe that's it but i don't know cuz i don't i don't actually follow them closely enough is i said hashtags are to social media what keywords are to search engine optimization. Do you agree with that? Do you not agree with that? And then just like, how in the heck do we use hashtags like without spending hours and hours like figuring them out? Yeah, that's a great question. I think, yeah, like you said, hashtags are the keywords. I think on every platform, you know, YouTube, they call it something different. It's like alternate tags, but YouTube has it. TikTok has it. Instagram has it. And it's a great way to get your content exposed to a particular audience. It's more niche. So you have to be kind of specific and selective with your hashtags. I've learned that more is not more. In fact, you should just do less is more, but just be very specific mm. with it. And also when you're looking at the hashtags, see how that hashtag in itself is performing. So if I know that there's a better hashtag I could be using. How do you know how it's performing? So like, for example, on TikTok, if me and Stevie did a video cooking and I'm beginning to type in the hashtag and I type in hashtag healthy, when you click healthy, it's going to pop up immediately. It's going to have a drop down box of all of the hashtags right now that are trending with the word healthy in it. And so some of them don't make sense. Like, let's say it was like, healthy body or let's say it was like, and, and our specific thing was a recipe and it said like healthy dog, like that wouldn't make sense. But yeah. if healthy recipes is getting 250 million people under that hashtag, then I'm like, for sure, let's go with that one. So TikTok, that's been a really so good one. So this is one. just then, the search tool, like whatever the basic search tool is natively the in the platform, type in whatever you kind of think and mm -hmm. then just pay attention. It's like typing into a Google search bar how it makes suggested like yeah. search terms based on volume. Right. What I've heard with TikTok so far is that TikTok is a little bit different than Instagram to where if you hashtag, your hashtags will directly put you into a pool, a select pool of say like 150 people, right? So you post a video, you have 10 followers on TikTok, right? You post a video, you do your hashtag. Um, I have 52 right? followers on yeah, TikTok, just so you know. We just I followed have you. 50, 50, 53. You. And the Hendrixes <laughs> are one of my TikTok That's followers. Right. So yes. I know it, dude. Hey, when I said you, I didn't mean you. I was talking to you, <laughs> not you. The other yeah. <laughs> If you have 10 followers on TikTok, right, and you have a hilarious video with your daughter, you're not going to hashtag basketball. You're going to hashtag daddy daughter another one that's a, a popular or maybe even a trending hashtag there's trending hashtags on tiktok that you can see but basically maybe you could say cute girl or something or cute baby and you put that out there right and people that are interested in cute babies on tiktok 150 of them are going to see it and then if those 150 it performs well out of them it's going to send that to a larger pool and if it performs there, it'll send that to a larger pool. And it all depends on what that person was already interested in. So TikTok has, you know, its own and Instagram has their own algorithms. Like if my homepage is going to look different than yours on Instagram, because maybe on mine, I've just been engaging with tons of recipe accounts. So Instagram automatically is going to try to appeal those specific accounts to me. And TikTok is doing the same thing. So if you're engaging and liking funny videos right now, they're going to bring you more and put you in those specific pools. 
And then if you're the creator, they see how well you do in that pool. And if you do well, you go to a bigger pool and a bigger pool and a bigger pool. So the hashtags are actually very important. I wouldn't overlook them. I would definitely utilize them for each platform. I want to go make a point, Rory, about kind of what we talked about on our podcast earlier with you about procrastination. I think a lot of people, they neglect social media. Just It's almost kind of like they procrastinate on social media. We all know that we could be using social media. Whether you get 1,000 followers or you get 10 million followers, I just told my parents, you know, they started their Instagram, I don't know, six months ago. And it's been performing really, really well. They're getting good engagement now. And I told them years ago to start an Instagram. And they have and a they flooring said, store. It's a flooring, a flooring store, store yeah. right? They're in Round Rock, Texas, and they have a flooring store. And they were like, we don't need that. That's not Oh, yeah. And I said, you need to start one. I said, it's important. Even if it doesn't bring you new business, it can communicate it's a, it's a lookbook current, basically yeah. for you where people can go on your Instagram and go, wow, they have really good taste. Actually, we want to work with them. And maybe they found you another way. I said, but it is such an important tool. So whether you have 500 or 5 million, it doesn't matter. I think it's so important to start. You know, the biggest advice we can give to people who are sitting here like, oh my gosh, how am I going to do all this and all these hashtags and all this kind of stuff? Get content up. Don't worry about the way how it looks funny and it all is, that. Yeah. The quality. I mean, you would be surprised how many low, I would say more low quality videos go viral than high quality videos. Yes. I yeah. mean, have you ever noticed how many terrible quality videos from webcams yeah. and stuff like that go viral? I mean, it's it's amazing. So I just want to encourage anyone out there who's like, okay, I need to get on this social media thing. It's almost like what you talked about with procrastination, that fear, right? That fear is actually the thing that, that keeps us from starting. And that's the same for so many of us. And I'm I'm even talking to myself because years ago when the algorithm for Instagram was favorable, when I had maybe a couple thousand followers, I started posting a couple videos that Saz encouraged me to, to do. She was like, you need to post more funny videos. I posted these videos, Rory, and, and one of them has like 500 comments. If I got 500 comments now and I have about 128,000 followers back then, I probably didn't even have 10,000. If I get 500 comments now, hmm. I'm like, oh my gosh, that was my best video ever. Do you see what I'm saying? And so the point I'm trying to make is that if I could go back... Like the earlier you are, the less good you have to be is kind of yes. like what it feels like. 100% because the platform is so fresh. It's so new. People are excited. They're ready to just discover and be a part of it. And they're excited about that. Whereas now, you know, with Instagram, it's like when Instagram started, it was like beautiful coffee photos, photos of where I am, you know, thoughtful little photos. And and now it's like, people are like, what? What is that? that right. I think nowadays people are also really hard on themselves. Everybody thinks they need to figure out like their personal brand and aesthetic before they start and sign up on a social media platform. But the goal should be not that you have to know exactly what content you're posting and how you're going to do it. But the goal should be, I'm on social media and the purpose is because I need to connect with people. I need to grow an audience because I ultimately want to cater to that audience with this genius product that I want to develop or whatever. The goal is to get people connected to you, to get them in front of you. And however you have to do that in the beginning, I guarantee you, no matter what, that's going to change and, and evolve as your audience 
grows and changes and evolves. So even if you think you have it all figured out and you start out and you're like, I'm just going to do this Monday, Tuesday, Wednesdays, I'm putting out this content that no matter what, I'll tell you right now, social media every day, it grows and it changes and you got to kind of jump with the next wave, not to let that scare you, but for that to encourage you that you don't need to have all the answers, whether you're an expert or not at social media, you just need to be on it and you need to be present. And your goal should be, I just need an audience to connect with because then I can actually sell to them ultimately, Hmm. um, whatever Mm -hmm. it is you're trying to package and sell. So that's the thing with social media that's different than a lot of other traditional things where, yeah, you could do a speaking engagement. You could go do something, a keynote somewhere. And now you're on a stage with hundreds of people listening to you, but that's a different audience. The social media world, their attention spans, they're already doing a bunch of things. You just need to get them to do this. Like, you need to get them to stop and just notice you. However that needs to be, let it be authentic to who you are. Don't try to do comedy if that's really not your thing, but just get their attention. And once you get that attention going, man, then you can start getting more strategic as time goes on and really cater and package to them, you know, whatever you're trying to sell. I love it. There's so much here. I think it's just awesome to kind of get behind the scenes of the way that y'all, you just even how you think about it and approach it is so cool and insightful. I do have one more question for you. Before that, where do you want people to go if they want to connect with the Hendrixes, see how you do your thing, learn about your family? Of course, you know, Saz, like Stevie, your videos are hilarious. <laughs> Saz, you've got all sorts of lifestyle, makeup and fashion and, you know, stuff. Where would you point them? Well, we're currently working on our joint website, which we're really excited about, stevingsan.com. You know, we're working on that, creating that Hendrix home online. But in the meantime, you can obviously go to our Instagram pages. Like if you go to my Instagram at Sazan, you're going to see in my bio pretty much our whole life spilled out. In a nutshell, you're going to see our podcast. You're going to see a link to my YouTube channel. You're going to see a link to his page on Instagram as well as our family page. So Instagram is probably a good place to start. And then we'll let you kind of branch out depending on whatever you guys like to go listen to our podcast or go on my YouTube channel for tips and all of that. But I always tell people, I say, go to Cezanne's Instagram. You'll see everything there. Even me. I'll be tagged in many, many things. And then our our newest (laughs) platform that we just dipped into, which we've been talking a lot about is TikTok. So if you want to check that out, that's our joint page. We're just doing one page and it's been really fun. So that's our family account at the Hendrixes. And you can check that out, but brace yourself because this guy here does some We're hilarious, fun. crazy We're videos. fun right now. That's the best thing that the quarantine <laughs> has brought is a uh, time to do TikTok Brought out the kids videos. in us. Yeah. yeah. So my last little question for you is just, where do you see all this going? What are the trends you're paying attention to? I mean, obviously we've talked a lot about TikTok. You know, that's like our chance to get in right now while it's yeah. still relatively early. But in general, are there any other like major trends you would highlight? And, you know, do you, do you think social media is always going to be here? Do you think Facebook's going to disappear one day? Do you think like it's only going to be videos and images will disappear or like anything at all? Like just in your head space, like you guys are in this all the time. What are you thinking about and paying attention to related to the future of social media? Personally, I feel like just just as humans, I mean, even in, you know, go back through the history books, we've gone through so many ups and downs and so many different trends and styles and lifestyle types that I think that all things have a place in just in different time. 
you know, whereas images now are less sacred than they used to be, in my opinion. Images used to be so much more sacred, you know, powerful pictures. You know, you go on Instagram now and the beautiful thing about Instagram is that it, it empowered everyone to become their own photographer and to do their best and to put it out there for the world to see, which at the same time kind of devalued, you know what I mean, truly beautiful pictures. Even though there are those that stand, I think, in the upper echelon, you know, that's really hard to reach. At the same time, we've been numb to that, you know, but I believe that at some point, the beauty of photography and, and the appreciation for true great photography will come back, but I don't know when. My thought right now, though, with TikTok, you know, is that you're connecting with a super young audience who is super fun and they want to laugh. You know what I mean? They want those quick, gratifying giggles. You know what I mean? And so what we're doing is we're jumping on the platform. And we are riding that wave. And you even said to me the other day, babe, you said, you know, this just makes me feel really young. And I think what people love about social media and like TikTok right now is that everyone around the world has the same feeling about it without even talking to each other. There's this buzz. There's this fun. There's this hype of like, there's a new platform. Fresh. Yeah. Everyone's jumping on. We're figuring it out. There's this buzz around it right now. But I believe that social media in some way will always continue because of the connectivity that it brings the world. Yeah, we've seen that during this time right now with the right. corona and the crisis. You know, social media is the one place that's bringing people together. In a sense, it has become home for a lot of people who weren't even active on social media prior to this crisis. But people are looking for connection. And now is the time to really rise and to use your voice and your platforms in any way that you can. And like with anything in life, you don't know what the future holds. You only know who holds the future. And I just believe that social media is a space where I feel like God has allowed us to not only share our life and the beautiful photos that we take of our daughter and our and of our content, but it's also been a stage for us where we can actually share our voice. And I don't think social media is going to ever just disappear. It's going to continue to grow and evolve, but so are we as humans. And I think we're going to be able to handle that change when it comes. So I'm excited for the future of social media, but I'm also excited for our future to not only be on rented real estate, Rory, as you've trained us, and to actually build the Stevenses on home that we are right now virtually, and to actually bring our online audience into this virtual home. And we're doing it alongside Brand Builders Group, which yeah. has been awesome. And we just can't wait to see what that future holds. One quick point, babe, that I do want to say is that we have seen this on Instagram, right? It's the only thing you can really compare to TikTok. The audience and what they want will mature. So right now it's mm. super young, super funny, super goofy, right? Instagram is not what it was before. Yeah. So what people want and what they're looking for will mature just like the age, the average age of a TikToker, right? Say if it's like mm. 19 years old, five years from now, their desires a 25 year old is looking for is different than a 19 year old, right. what they're looking for. Yeah. So if yeah. you're somebody who's like, I'm too old for this, if you gather 15,000 followers and you have 1,000 followers that are super loyal to you in five years from now, they're going to be 25, 30 years old 
what are they going to be looking for that you can provide them at that time? Yeah, that's good. And so that's why it's important it's good. to be on TikTok. I love that. Well, you guys, you are so awesome. As I say, it's like I feel honored to work with you and to be your friends and to be a part of what you guys are doing. I, th I think God has a huge plan for your life and already making such an impact. And I, I love how you're using these tools to bring the good life, which is the name of the podcast and, you know, two people and and really use it for encouragement and stuff. And so anyways, we just want to encourage you and thank you. And we wish you all the best. You're Thanks, bomb, Rory. Rory. Thanks, Tell man. AJ we said hi. That's all we've got for this episode of the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. But here's some great news. One of the most valuable things you can do to help us and other new potential listeners to find our show is for you to both rate this show and leave a review. So as a special bonus for you, if you leave us a comment in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen, take a screenshot of your review and email it to podcast at brandbuildersgroup.com. We will give you free lifetime access to 25 of our most popular interviews on video in your own private members-only area. So go right now, rate us, review us, and then send a screenshot of it into podcast at brandbuildersgroup.com and we will get you set up with free lifetime access to our most popular video interviews all in one place. Also, please just share, share, share this podcast with anyone who you think might enjoy it. And until next time, remember that building a business isn't nearly as valuable as building a reputation.